This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy. And each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on New York. New York. Let's investigate. (laughs) Oh, man. So So what happened in New York? New York city we're we're heading to brooklyn for this one now one thing that i will say is really interesting about looking at like unsolved cases um of any nature in new york is that like new york city Mm -hmm. is like abductions okay outside of new york city it's like a lot of murder (laughs) i can see that though because inside the inside the limits of new york city yeah 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 there's probably so many abductions, mysteries, mm-hmm. whatever, and there's such a high density of people yeah, yeah, yeah. that the police can't investigate every single thing. True. And, I, and don't get me wrong. There's a fair share of murder that goes on in New York oh, City as of well. Of course. Of course. But where we are going to focus our efforts this episode is going to be in Brooklyn, back on January 22nd of 2010. Ooh, recent. Fairly recent, yeah. Uh, Seven-year-old Patrick Alford Jr. went missing from his foster parents' Brooklyn apartment Hmm. on this day. So at 9 p.m., he was taking out the trash for his foster mother, Labrada Moran. Moran? Moran. (laughs) M-O-R-A-N. probably said it wrong both times <laughs> Moron. No. that's kind of what it's like it's hard like when you read it that's what you want to say but it's like i know it's like moran mm-hmm. or moron like i know it's not moron it's probably moran moran that's what i'm feeling too so <clears throat> one thing to note about like really big apartment complexes mm-hmm. um they typically don't have just like a trash can that you can like put on the curb like we do in here and sub like we do in here this year suburbia <laughs> in this little flyover state in Colorado <laughs> we have trash cans that we have to put out on the curb right and even in our apartment complexes we have shoots in mm-hmm. the newer ones but the older ones, they still have dumpsters out in the back. Yeah, so I don't know what the situation was. Mm-hmm. It sounds like from this case that they had like a chute or like a compactor of some sort. Okay. On the floor. Okay. Um, I'm not 100% positive about that because some people said that he left the building to take out the trash. Other reports were saying... He it was like he walked down the hallway. Huh. So mixed report. Mixed mixed reports. And okay. this is um a little interesting here. Because like I said, he was taking out the trash for his mom, his foster mom. She got a phone call. So she turned around, walked into the walked into the apartment, answered the phone, went back out into the hallway. Because mm-hmm. I imagine it was like a cordless. Of course. Um <laughs> And he was gone. Huh. So 
this is where it gets a little dicey because we don't know how long that phone call was if she was still on the phone. That's true. If she had the conversation mm-hmm. and then returned to the hallway to figure out like, hey, where did he go? Right. Why is he just like playing around in the hallway? Right. So. Well, can they look at phone records from 2010? That's true. I mean, I know that's not information we have at this point, but it is a wonder. It is a wonder. So, (laughs) Labrada obviously called the police. She reported him as missing. Mm -hmm. Um, There one second, gone another second. Mm -hmm. So, this immediately sparked, like, a massive police search. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm talking... We got like helicopters. We got like cops on horses. We got <laughs> all right. Everybody like people are looking for Patrick. Yeah. Um. So much like I the scale of this. The police conducted over one thousand interviews. Oh my gosh! And searched over two hundred homes. That's insane. <clears throat> so, right off the bat, with these cases, a lot of a lot of the attention immediately goes to a specific kind of suspect, and that is a sex offender. Right. There were seven sex offenders that lived in the apartment building. <laughs> At the time, however, they all had alibis and they were all cleared from any wrongdoing in this in this instance. Which is good, but also sucks because you don't have any answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be like your automatic like go to. Right. Let's check. Like these are suspect number one. Like we got to mm-hmm. check out these people. One through seven. Yeah. One through seven. <laughs> um, so what's interesting, though, is when they brought in the police dogs. Mm hmm. They actually picked up Patrick's scent at a nearby bus stop. And so they actually ended up interviewing um, bus drivers and taxi taxi cab drivers that were in the area as well. Which they don't normally do. Yeah, which is, I thought that was just really interesting because I'd be like, I'm just driving my bus, dude. Right. Like, I don't even know if I would like bat an eye at a kid getting on a bus. I used to take the bus when I was a kid. Well, especially in Bronx or Brooklyn or wherever, that is their form of transportation. <clears throat> Absolutely. Most, most people don't have cars and, you know, just take the subway and or trains. Absolutely. To where they need to go. And you wouldn't even notice a seven-year-old come on because they've probably been on numerous times. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to let my seven-year-old go. And yeah, yeah, yeah on the subway or whatever by themselves but i'm sure that's a common occurrence because they're just so used to it absolutely and how many people get on and off that bus if it's towards the end of your shift i'm sure you just open the door make sure they drop their fare in the in the receptacle and then you're like all aboard like i don't i don't know and then when you stop you open the back door so they just pop off the back anyway they don't come through the front exactly so What is interesting about Patrick is that he had only been in the foster system for about three weeks. Oh, man. Patrick and his sister were placed with Labrada after their mother got in trouble with the cops and they cited child negligence as the reason for taking her kids away. Mm -hmm. So it was so much to the point that Patrick had even threatened to run away from home to be reunited with his mom. So he threatened Labrada that he was going to run away. I mean, which is feasible as a seven-year-old. I don't want to be with some stranger. Absolutely. Um, Patrick's aunt 
spoke to the police next. Okay. And she actually let police know that his mother had knew where Patrick and his sister were and that she had even threatened to go and kidnap them, essentially, to, like, bring them home. Ah. I mean, do you even tell the parents? That's where I'm kind of confused. The only way that I can tell that I can justify her knowing where the kids are, if they're being taken away, especially for like something like negligence would be if she was allowed visitation. Maybe. But then I feel like it wouldn't even be, I don't know. In my mind, I wouldn't allow her to go to their home. It would have to be like in a more controlled area. Yeah. Like supervised visits. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how this works. I've, I've never, yeah, I don't know how foster systems work or the foster system in general, but in my eyes, I feel like if you're being taken away for something like that mm-hmm. or going to jail like she did, yeah, then I wouldn't tell the biological parents where the kid was. Yeah. For fear of them going and kidnapping them. Yeah, definitely. So... Jennifer Rodriguez, that is um, Patrick's mom, mm-hmm. uh, obviously was alerted that her son was t- was missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like frantic, like, obviously it's her child. Right. He's supposed to be in the safe in a safe home. You didn't think I was capable of taking care of my own kid. So like you put them in a place where you thought this person was capable of taking care of them. So what happened? Right. So after uh, her sister, Patrick's aunt, spoke up and told police of her threats to kidnap them, she was now suspect number one. Mm -hmm. She was um, summoned to a family court hearing and was told that she needed to return Patrick to Labrada immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, She expressed that she had no idea what they're talking about and she has no idea where Patrick is. Like, find my kid. Why are you wasting your time? Um, they were very persistent, and she ended up getting arrested for um, contempt. Oh, my gosh. And thankfully, she was not in the system for too long because she was able to pass a polygraph test, and it proved that she was telling the truth. She didn't know where Patrick was. The one time a polygraph actually is beneficial. Truly. So... It just makes me angry, though, because at the end of the day, like, I know you that the mother's the number one suspect and Mm -hmm. but they have to investigate everything. Like, you can't just narrow your focus on one person. Yeah. Wait for a trial or to be seen in front of the judge, which could take a week or two. Yeah. Knowing the New York's legal system because they're so backed up. Oh, absolutely. And. Then that's like you're wasting so much time, precious time. Yeah. Um, and the thing that didn't make sense in this scenario that like police and the courts were pursuing was why would she only take Patrick if her daughter was there as well? Why would she only take her son? Why wouldn't she just take both of her kids? I mean, I can see it as a crime of opportunity because he was Maybe. outside of the house. Yeah. But. You're right. Why would they not? Why would she not find a way to get both of her children? Yeah. 
And supposedly the the um, daughter was standing in the doorway with Labrata as well. So, oh. I mean, she was there. Right. But she wasn't out in the hallway. Yeah. So. I'll edit this out. I lost my place. So the only other justifiable thing, unless we're talking about something pure evil which we won't really get into that because we don't know what happened um is i think the most likely case right now is that he did run away okay but we just but then where did he go (laughs) well and do not the buses have cameras you know they do but i almost wonder do they do they record or is it just a live feed so that like they can like watch out in case something happens but then also in new york how many buses are on the road that's so true like and especially if it was a populated area there's so many lines and so many different types of buses uh-huh. um that come and go yeah and i want to touch on something too with Le- with the foster mom labrada okay so she didn't even speak the same language as patrick what? So Patrick, we I don't know what language she spoke. It wasn't um explained in any of the articles that I read. But Patrick was fluent in Spanish and English. And so and she didn't speak either one of those. She had obviously English is her second language. Mm-hmm. So it was difficult for her to communicate with the new kids that she that she has now. With all of the foster parents available, mm-hmm. why would you put kids with somebody who cannot communicate? I don't know. And the weird thing is about that is, you know, you're taking a seven-year-old and the daughter was younger than him, mm-hmm. right? They're going to have questions. They're going to have emotions. Yeah. And if she can't... Even comfort them? At all or explain yeah. what's going on, like... That's not what our system should be doing. Absolutely. I know it's overran and praise, you know, CPS and everybody which takes the kids when they need to be taken. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there should be more due diligence on this because not being able to communicate with the person you're placing me in a home with. Yeah. That's hard. That is so hard. Like, I couldn't even imagine... Like for okay, for starters, let's spill some tea about myself. Mm-hmm. I cannot understand people with accents. It is literally like it's to the point where I don't know what happens, but like my brain shuts down and it's really hard for me to understand accents. Like really hard. Can you not understand my parents? Uh half the time, no. I just smile and nod. <laughs> they probably think I'm a weirdo because they probably have asked me questions before. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> and it's not like they have bad accents but... no, no no it's it is it's hard for me to filter out the accent and mm-hmm. then like i just hear the sound i don't hear mm-hmm. the words i know that sounds really weird it's it's my entire life it's been like that yeah. with the exception of i think it's like british accents i'm okay with but it's because it's pretty mild right unless it's like a really thick british accent <laughs> then girl we got problems i feel like if you're around somebody for a prolonged amount of time you'll pick up on it probably but not when you first hear it i can understand that yeah um so i could i could only imagine being like you would ask for something and then like 
get a response and you would be like, nah, I don't know. It's like a little kid. Mm-hmm. Which they can't even communicate. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm a grown ass adult and like I have a hard time. So I can only imagine a seven year old would probably have a hard time as well. Um, now, Patrick actually suffered from ADHD. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, and at the time um, when he went to the foster system, uh, Labrada reports that he was refusing to take his ADHD medication. Mm. So that also is problematic. Right. He was probably way more rambunctious and not able to focus. Exactly. Um, Now, where where this case kind of gets weird to me is that the family of patrick Mm -hmm. started accusing one another of having patrick which i think is really odd because if my child was kidnapped i wouldn't be like well aunt cindy i know you have patrick and then like report aunt cindy to the police who lives in like so like aunt cindy lives in like ohio so then like ohio policemen are being like dispatched to aunt cindy's house to like search for patrick so like we're disrupting all the systems <laughs> which is weird to me like why are you wasting time yeah but even family members in puerto rico where the mom is from oh were being gosh. searched like their homes were being searched for him which maybe if they were the only thing that I can think of is if the allegations weren't coming necessarily from the family, but the police were just trying to like, they were just following any lead and maybe they were thinking maybe the mom did take him and mm-hmm. sent him off to live with, you know, somebody in Puerto Rico or, you know, like wherever they live. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's, if it, that wasn't the case, what is the reason Yeah, she was accusing everybody in the family? Yeah. Like, do, does she have a reason to be doing that? Or yeah. do they have a reason to want to come take him? I don't know. That's what's weird, and right? And we're all talking hypothetical. We don't know, but... Yeah. Which I'll conjecture at this point, but it's it's just weird. It's, it's definitely a strange case. So, unfortunately, Patrick was never found. Hmm. Um, they had, like, the state of New York literally took... Jennifer Rodriguez's children away from her, put them in a foster home that wasn't adequate adequate to take care of them. Um, so Jennifer sued. Um, As she should. Absolutely, she sued uh, Child Services, the apartment building, and Labrada Moran for uh, neg- negligence. <laughs> that was a hard word. Um, Good for her that she did that. Absolutely. So. Unfortunately, the case was dismissed, but a couple of years later, the city decided to settle on uh, on six million dollars. Okay. And Jennifer immediately took that six million dollars and she held it in a she placed it in a trust for Patrick so that he would be taken care of when he is found. And um, a portion of that money is actually fueling the search efforts to continue to look for him. Now, if you took your own child and harmed them. Mm-hmm. And got six million dollars. Mm-hmm. You're going to blow that money. Absolutely. On cars, on gam, whatever. Absolutely. And she took this money and put it in a trust fund for her child. That's why I don't think I honestly don't think she had anything to do with it. 
I mean, her actions speak that that she does it. Yeah. Absolutely. So there are some definite continuity issues with this case. Okay. Um, as I said before, um, some of the articles that I have read stated that he had to exit the building to take out the trash. Mm-hmm. Others said that he put it in a chute or a compactor um, that was on the same floor, the 11th floor of the apartment building. Mm-hmm. So, and... Ooh. I don't like that sound. I know. Well, there was a video that was released on the website um, that uh, for the investigators that are continuing to search for Patrick. They released a video um, about their search back in like late 2020. Mm-hmm. So not that long ago. Okay. Patrick's little sister, Jaylene, stated that she saw Patrick walk away by himself down the hallway outside their 11th floor apartment door. Okay. So, and this was after their foster mother went back inside the apartment to answer the phone call. So did they ask her when she was younger? You know, I, part of me, this could go one of two ways. I don't know. That's, that's the answer because one, she could have been too young Mm -hmm. to where there would be like, why would we question this three-year-old or four-year-old or five-year-old, however old she was. I don't know how, what the age difference is between the two of them. Um, Or she was so young that she couldn't communicate what Mm -hmm. she saw. True. True. Like she probably didn't even fully understand what was going on in that moment. Probably not. You know, like, so as she gets older, as she got older, I imagine things probably became more clear and she was able to articulate things more. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, this video also discloses that a neighbor saw Patrick on the 16th floor of the, of the apartment building around the same time that he was reported missing by his foster mother. On the 16th floor. So five floors. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Um, and those are those are my main continuity issues with this with this case. Um, just the fact that the sister now has come forward with new information, and then also the fact that he was seen five floors above where he was supposed to be at the same time that he was reported missing. So there has to be a timing issue going on here because, I mean, you can definitely take an elevator up mm-hmm. and be seen right five minutes after. Mm-hmm she noticed and she was looking for him and then called mm-hmm. the cops or she was on the phone longer than she said she was which could very well be which then you would think yeah like you said why wouldn't they they why didn't they check the phone records to see how long she was actually on that call unless it just wasn't a thought or she's just lying about the whole thing true um and i i I believe this information to be accurate. And the reason being is because it's coming from the investigators that are a part of the ongoing search for Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have been his 18th birthday this year. Uh-huh. So the NYPD has periodically released age progression images for Patrick. And these images will be on our blog at myvillagepodcast.com. And then just to let everybody know, the NYPD missing person squad is looking for tips via social media in an effort to locate Patrick, who was seven years old when he went missing around 9 p.m. on January 22nd, 2010. 
Um, at the time, Patrick um, had a scar on his left eyebrow and was seen wearing a red T-shirt, blue jeans, and black Michael Jordan sneakers. Please reach out if you know anything. Reach out to the NYPD. Yeah. Or to us and we can forward it along. Yeah. I definitely will be following this case. I really hope they find him somewhere. Or at least get closure. Yeah. 100%. Oh, man. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been an MVP podcast. My Village Productions.